0: One, two, one, woo!
1: This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network.
0: Here are your hosts, Ryan Boningberg and Jake Shapiro. Welcome into the BSN Buffs Podcast, coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern. It's a special Monday night, night here at the Blake Street Tavern as we're watching the college football playoffs national title game. Clemson versus Alabama, a sight to be seen here at the Blake Street Tavern. All good events uh, are better here at the Blake Street Tavern. Jake Shapiro alongside Ryan Konigsberg. And some huge news today out of Boulder as Mike McIntyre was signed to extension, an extension through 2021. Truly, it's the first good piece of news since the Buffs have beaten Utah, if you want to be realistic about it.
2: Yeah, I think the Buffs really needed some good news. And something to remember about coaching extensions is they're great for recruiting when a player knows in this class that my coach is signed through my entire career it makes them a lot more comfortable in making a decision now anyone who advises these players will always say don't pick a coach pick a school and I would tell a kid the same thing because who knows if Mike McIntyre gets a call from Vanderbilt a couple of years down the road but something that they needed to do especially with all the the negative momentum and it was something that was on the docket it's not like they're doing this as a reaction but it's on the docket and you get this out there today and Mike McIntyre can go out on the recruiting trail and say look you don't have to worry about this negative recruiting I'm not going anywhere I have a contract in place I'm here till 2021 let's
0: go to work let's get things done. We'll touch on some of the negative as well as basketball later in the show but obviously extending your head football coach that just won the head football coach of the year award across the nation is and I'll the be top honest, story when
2: i got a notification on my phone and i just like looked down and saw mike mcintyre i thought he had just won another coach of the year award i'm like oh here we go again like he won
0: the like so and so the vsn of- denver coach yeah, of the year exactly. award can we do that can we can we like write we should a post? create
2: like 17 different coach of the year awards and just award them all to mike mcintyre and, like see if we can get cu to put a press release about it <laughs>
0: At the bottom of Mac's page, he won the Bobby Dowd Award, USA Today Coaches Award, SB Nation Award, the Shapin' RK Award, as well as the Home Depot Year Award, or like whatever, just for sneak real. it in there. Uh, but this deal is, it seems like a pretty good deal for both sides, and you tweeted about it, Ryan, as well, that it's a five year extension, and it's about 3.5 per year, starting at $3.1 million. Uh, you know, he was the lowest-paid coach in the Pac-12 going into the well, well this year, and uh, the highest-paid coach in the history of CU, as they always are. Highest-paid
2: uh, state employee, I would venture to guess.
0: But he, he you know, definitely more more paid than uh, Mike Bobo up there north. Yes, but uh, this seems like a really good deal. And you mentioned the recruiting aspect, and that's such a big deal because I talked to a guy in Ray Robinson this week. That's a 2027 recruit, meaning. Or no, he's 20, 20, 18, or 20, 2018. 2018. 2027
2: 20, recruits are like 20, 20. my children. <laughs>
0: I saw uh, my
2: unborn child. A CHL a team
0: t- uh, traded a second round pick in the 2027 CHL draft today, which would be like a four the year CHL old. CHL probably won't even be around in 2027. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but uh, either way, uh, Ray Robinson's 2018, meaning that if he were to redshirt a year, 2021 is this his senior year. So uh, this is a big deal, and it has an impact right now, uh, especially with it being five years. And this, as you said, was something that was on the docket. This was a question that was going to, I think, be in the questions of all Buffs fans over the summer and even in the next year if they hadn't done it by then. In fact, it was even in our questions going into this past season because we had a podcast titled When Is It Time to Give Mike McIntyre an Extension?
2: Yeah, and that was the crazy thing is this time in the summer we're talking about you got a couple options. Your options are you're either going to fire Mike McIntyre after this season or you're going to extend him. It was a one or the other type of thing because you can't have a coach sitting there towards the end of his contract type of thing. You had to make a decision. Are we going or are we going in a different direction? Obviously, Mike McIntyre did everything you could have asked of him to earn that extension this year. I mean, he's the coach of the year on literally every person's ballot. So he earned it. And you got a really fair deal. I mean, this is a guy who, let's say Baylor had hired him. They probably would have been paying him a lot more than this. Um, I haven't looked to see what they're going to pay their head coach. But Mike McIntyre was a guy who's in high demand. He's, like I said, the coach of the year. And you end up getting him for about three three and a quarter million dollars a year. That's a really, really fair price if Mike McIntyre is as good as you think he is. Now... If Mike McIntyre was a product of Jim Levitt's success and, uh, and Charles Clark had the safeties going good and all of a sudden this thing starts going downhill, well, then you made the wrong decision. But you had enough time here to decide, is Mike the guy or is he a product of his coordinators? And you got yourselves in a really good position now to lock down a coach. We'll find out what the buyout is. But you're going to either have a coach for a long time or get a good buyout from it. And you're getting a really good price on a good coach. And I think that's a great thing for the University of Colorado.
0: Do you think there should be any hesitation here knowing that Mike McIntyre basically had three years? Yes, he inherited a bad program, but he had three down years before doing this one great year. And, yeah, he had the great year, but should there be any hesitation knowing that? There's always
2: a little bit of a scare that a guy's going to be a one-hit wonder, you know. Uh, even Dan Hawkins got his team to a bowl game, and I realized at that time that wasn't a, anything special at Colorado, but he brought in a great recruiting class, and he gets extended. Now, I think everyone can agree Mike McIntyre has done a lot more to prove he can get extended in terms of building this program from the bottom. Dan, ha- Dan Hawkins did not take over a terrible football program. He took over a sinking football program, and he helped ride it further into the ground. Mike McIntyre had to bring this thing up, and you've seen steady progress from day one with him in terms of getting things straightened out and getting things done here in Boulder. So you're going to be worried, of course, and you're also worried that he lost his coordinators that really he never had success without, or at least he lost the coordinator that really turned around his defense. So yeah, I think you're always going to be a little bit worried about that, but you don't have time to wait. You have to make these decisions, or else you will lose them and you will lose recruits, and, and it's not a good situation. So, you got to make a
0: call, and I think they made the right one. I don't know how you couldn't extend Mike McIntyre. Uh, he was either going to get swooped by a school or get extended. I think those were the two options. But I think an interesting question becomes how much is Rick George now tied to Mike McIntyre? Because Rick George, or Mike McIntyre was not Rick George's guy until today, in my opinion. And now Mike McIntyre just became Rick George's guy. And and that's a big deal. Definitely. Rick George just hired
2: a coach is basically what happened. And he chose a coach that had already been hired before. But now now he's on Rick George's contract. He's not on someone else's contract. So I think you're right in there. And I hadn't thought about it that way. That's a great point. Now Rick George is tied to Mike McIntyre. Nothing that can happen that's bad. Can be blamed on Mike Bone, because Rick George is the one who chose to extend him. So, in a sense, this is Rick George's first hire as a coach. But I think this is a good jo- a good hire on his part. You know, you can go out and get creative and try and do something crazy. You you hired a guy who, under your command, became a successful coach.
0: No doubt, he did everything and more than what was expected. I think the expectation for this year was to get to a bowl game in year four of Mike McIntyre. He did way more than that, and we all know that. But you have to keep it in perspective, and I think every Buffs, fans, a Buffs fan is coming away from today with their hands uh, very high in the sky going, yes, we got our coach. Uh, and that's a great feeling, I think, for CU, knowing they got their guy. Uh, and, and I think another thing, here is important is I think a lot of people in the Colorado community always have this inherent belief that Mike McIntyre has his eyes set somewhere else that he was using Colorado as his job between San Jose and somewhere else you know what he might still have that but at least for now he had four years at Colorado counting this year and he's probably got at least another three and that's a long damn time to be a coach at any university seven years and based on what his track record is and based on the progression, You've got to be pretty satisfied about how you feel about the next three to five years, or whatever Mac stays for. Uh, but at least you know it's not going to be one year. You know, you know it's not going to be. He's done after twenty seventeen. I think that's a that's a good point. And I'm not convinced
2: that Mike McIntyre will play out this contract until twenty twenty one. I think there's a, a time that's going to come where he's going to get an amazing opportunity somewhere, and we're worth a lot of money in a place. Where he might be more comfortable with in the South, and maybe that's just a gut feeling that it just Mike McIntyre doesn't scream lifetime Colorado head coach to me. I don't know about you, Jake. I don't think he's going to end his career here and and, you know win multiple Pac-12 championships and and bring Colorado back to an. I don't think Max, the guy who turns out to be the next Bill McCartney, who kind of
0: his entire coaching legacy is at Colorado. I don't see that. I've got two questions here. One. We didn't see Mac as the guy last going into last year even that was the guy that was going to bring them to national promise. Well, Mac already did that this year. Two, does Bill McCartney stay at Colorado forever if he decides to stay in the coaching realm rather than uh, basically go into his personal life more? And I think that's a good question, and you know it's kind of hard to answer that at this point, but basically what I'm trying to get to is Mike McIntyre like Bill McCartney at the end of his career, was still a pretty young man. And Mike McIntyre can coach for a long time. He could coach for 10 more years at Colorado and still take another head coaching job. So it's hard to say that Mike McIntyre is the head coach for life at Colorado. Whether that means 3 to 10 years, I don't know. But everyone in the Colorado and the CU community, I think, all has that feeling that Mike McIntyre will one day be the head coach at Georgia Tech or Vanderbilt. Or somewhere, wherever it is. I mean,
2: someone, if he continues to have success, someone's going to come calling. Now, here's what I want to caution right now. Do not be the guy who next season, when the Buffs win seven games and go to the Las Vegas Bowl or whatever it is, don't be the guy who says, oh, McIntyre took a step back without Jim Levitt, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to be able to get it done long-term here. It was a one-flash-in-the-pan thing. They are going to take a step back next year. It's almost a foregone conclusion. You're losing almost that entire
0: secondary. Three of the four defensive coaches probably we will get to that in a second.
2: You're losing a lot, and there's going to be a season where you have to take a step back to later take a step forward. And I think that's a possibility. I think it's fine for them to win seven games next year and get back to ten and then maybe go above that next year. What they did, and I wrote about this after they lost in the Alamo Bowl, they took six-win talent, and they turned it into a ten-win football team, with twelve-win heart. Now, next season, they're still stuck with that, and there's not this. You're just not going to be able to capture that lightning in a bottle again. Yes, the the talent has steadily improved under Mike McIntyre. It's going to take another year after this, next year, to get back here. Now. I could be wrong. Maybe they go ahead and win 10, 11 games again next year and blow us all away. I would not be surprised if they
0: don't, and and I think Buffs fans have to be okay with that happening. Even some of the hottest takes Buffs fans I've seen on the Internet have already been saying you have to expect a step back next year. So I think that's almost, like you said, a foregone conclusion in the CU community. Now, here's my question for you. Was Mike McIntyre's inability to have success his first few years based on the fact that he had poor assistants. And now you look around and you can really trust some of the assistants. I know Jim Levitt's no longer there, but this year they had Jim Levitt, Darren Cheverini who a lot of people like, Brian Lindgren, who I think is a lot better of a coach than people like to believe, and Clayton Adams, who's really turned into a hell of a co- football coach, as well as Darian Hagan. I absolutely think the inability to find the right mix
2: cost them in a few games. Um, it was, they didn't have it right. I mean, Kent Bear wasn't, getting, wasn't ever going to get it done as defensive coordinator of this team. That being said, you also, I mean, he really came into a Bear cabinet. There was no talent, none. Nice pun. I know, thank you. Uh, there was none, no talent to work with on that defensive side of the ball, and it's, you saw it. So, really, part of what Mike McIntyre had to do was find the right mix on the field, but he also had to find the right mix in his
0: coaches, and now he's tasked with that again. Yeah, once they got rid of beer, they were really able to claw their way back to one of the better defensive teams in the country.
2: Yeah, I mean, you got some big grizzly guys up front and just pounded it out.
0: Especially with a molar on the line like that, you know, you could really...
2: And it's over. But (laughs) it was fun while it lasted. The the reality is Mike McIntyre has a huge task ahead of him, and that's going to be finding the defensive coordinator.
0: And we're going to get to that in one second, but first I got to tell you about Colorado Keg House, which this segment was just brought to you by. It's in Broomfield, right next to the First Bank Center with 75 Colorado Craft Beers on tap. They are the home for Colorado Craft Beer, from wheat beers to nitros to IPAs to ales. Did I get it right? Close, yeah, I think that was close. Ales? Ales. 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 Uh, nobody does Colorado Craft Beer like the Colorado Craft uh, Keg House. Uh, you can sit at their huge bar, their table, or their lounge area, but no matter where you sit, you will be in front of a TV with sports on. So next time you are looking for something to do, go down to the Colorado Keg House off Wadsworth and 36 in Broomsfield. Broomsfield. Broom's one broom. It's Broomsfield. only one There's broom. several brooms in Broomsfield. There's only one broom in the do- in the cabinet. Dozens of brooms. <laughs> uh, but, hey, that was some big news, and we were getting into that uh, a little bit with the assistance mix. Some huge news towards that. I think a lot of people were pegging Joe Tumpkin to be the defensive coordinator of the Colorado Buffaloes heading into this week. And uh, it is reported that there are some allegations about domestic violence about him uh, with a complaint coming from his ex-girlfriend. Allegating. Is that the right word? Allegating? Allegedly. Alleging. Allegedly. Alleging. Alleging that he had commit uh, committed some heinous acts going back for basically two years uh the allegations are pretty damning uh and they are bad uh there's just no way around it they are bad and it does not look good for cu and no matter way you paint it
2: yeah uh i think we have to be real clear here first of all this is america every person gets their day in court and they're they're innocent until proven guilty with that being said what is alleged of joe Tumpkin is disgusting it's disturbing. It's awful. And if any of it is true, he has absolutely no business being on this coaching staff. And if Mike McIntyre wants to retain any credibility in anything that he preaches to his players, the young men that he talks about molding, and the fans that follow this football team about doing it the right way, you cannot move forward at all with Joe Tumpkin on this staff. And I think that's cut and dry, completely clear.
0: We now... Talk- Sorry, Ryan. But we talked about Baylor a little bit earlier, and remember how adamant McIntyre was against the allegations at Baylor, and Will Whalen, our Will Whalen, wrote a column about it saying Mike McIntyre's building a program the right way. Now, if he was to make a misstep in this situation, that would be utterly disastrous in my opinion. And I think we have to hold Mike McIntyre
2: accountable for when he knew about this because there's some things that are going around that would suggest that – This was not necessarily a surprise. And I think that's always really important because sometimes the cover-up is as bad as the crime. Now, of course, there's nothing that can compare to what Joe Tompkin is being alleged of doing here. Uh, I can't even put into words how terrible that stuff is. But as a coach who's running a program, who talks about all these things and being a man of God and all that stuff if you were to know about this and kind of push it under the rug to finish up what it was a special season, because you were going to end up winning coach of the year and you were going to end up getting us an extension out of this. That's a really terrible thing too. And it goes against everything
0: that you tell your players on a daily basis. We were both at Matt McChesney's banquet on Friday night and which is a great event. A great event. Uh, love Matt McChesney. He's a great guy. Does wonders for Colorado football. Uh, Not just the Buffaloes, but uh, as high school level, going up to the pro level. But my point being is Mike McIntyre spoke at that, talked about God, talked about his faith, talked about all these different things that he always talks about. And it was kind of cringeworthy hearing him talk about some of those things to me, especially two hours after those allegations came out and hearing some of the same rumors that you just kind of spoke about.
2: Yeah, and like, like I said, Joe Tompkin will have his day in court. It does not look good for him right now. Doesn't look good at all for him right now. Uh, Mike McIntyre will have his day in front of Rick George, and I'm sure that's probably already happened. Rick George probably wanted to know about this before he signed a check to him for sixteen and a quarter million dollars. But it's really—it's just not a good look. And if you're Mike McIntyre, you better hope it doesn't come out that you knew about these things, because as a player as a parent whose living room you're going into and telling that parent, I will make your son a better man by the time he leaves this school. How can you believe that in knowing that this guy employed a man who was doing such terrible things? And it's sad that if, that, if the allegations are true that Joe Tumpkin got away with it for that long, and I, hope, I wish that upon nobody. But you have to take care of this swiftly and I think you're okay in, in letting the legal portion of this play out. But you better act accordingly when that does play out.
0: No doubt. And, and you talked this about... Isn't,
2: one point. This isn't a kid who you can say he's he made a mistake. He deserves a second chance. He needs to learn. He needs to get help. Blah, blah, blah. Joe Tompkin is a grown ass man. And he needs to conduct himself that way. And you don't get second chances when you're his age. At least you shouldn't, not at this level, and not when you're Mike McIntyre who preaches such a different bill of goods.
0: Yeah, I mean, aside from just the domestic violence allegations, their drunk driving allegations, there are a lot of stuff going on there. If you read the story uh, that was posted, there were there were a lot of things that were taboo, I guess would be the right word, that were done by Joe Tompkin. In, There's
2: stuff that will make you sick to your stomach, right. honestly.
0: Right, and most of our listeners are part of whether or not the Colorado community or at least the Boulder community, that means this guy was living among you. And, and that is not a good feeling, uh, knowing that that per- person is part of your community uh, in any way or shape or form. But I, I will say, you, you talked about the kids a little bit. Uh, they've already lost a couple of recruits, Colorado has. Xavier Newman has decommitted from decommitting, but I hear he's going to recommit to decommitting, if that makes sense. He deleted his decommitting tweet, but uh, he is going to repost his decommitting tweet. Uh, so he never
2: actually decommitted from decommitting.
0: Yes, he never. Ha- well, he he deleted his tweet decommitting, but he hasn't reposted the de- deleting tweet about decommitting. Right. So he's not gonna. He's not coming. He's not coming. At the end of the day, is what this amounts to. You know what I think it was.
2: You ever post a tweet that you think is like gonna get a bunch of action? And then, like, three minutes in, it hasn't got as much action as you thought it would. you're like, delete, delete, delete. i got to save this for a better time. I think that's what he was doing. He's like, I'm going to save this for, like, 9 a.m. on a Monday. Smart man. I agree.
0: I, when, whichever recruit posts a, uh, I'm committing to this school at 8 a.m. on a Monday, that's going to be my favorite recruit of all time because he understands it. I'm going to offer that man a job right away. Like, you are our social media manager here at BSN Buffs from now on. But uh, either way, uh this has already had an impact, uh, is basically what I'm saying. Whether it's Jim Levitt or whether it's uh, Tumpkin, Charles Clark, I, I don't know. It- it's already having an impact on the Buffs. And like I said earlier in the show, going back to the Utah game, not many positives for CU. In fact, very, very little. If you look at the athletic department as a whole and you look at the positives, uh, since the Utah game, it's basically the women's team, basketball team has been good. Men's team beat Xavier. And uh, Mike McIntyre just got extended. That's basically it. Yeah, and
2: it's unfortunate because you had all, I mean, there was a time where it was all good.
0: Literally every sport, every person and everything was going right.
2: But it just goes back to college football is cyclical. It goes up and down, and that's how things are going to work. Now, we're going to get into the basketball a little bit later. We're actually going to bring on Harrison Wind who is more of a basketball mind than either you or I, or at least I'll admit that, but it's bad. I mean, it's just the athletic department went from looking amazing, like Rick George had crafted the greatest thing known to man, but now all of a sudden it's it's back downhill, and that's just how it's going to work out in the end.
0: No doubt, uh, but I think they have their eyes set on a pretty good defensive coordinator. Uh, the number one candidate we're hearing is Pete Peter Sermon uh, from – Mississippi State, or is it Ole Miss? Mississippi State. Mississippi State, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He's uh, he's just
2: preaching, you know? He's just preaching. Preaching to the defense.
0: He is, he is. But uh, he he coached a solid defense. I'm not going to call them great or good down at Mississippi State, definitely in the SEC, so that's a big thing. I'm hearing he might bring a a few assistant coaches along with him, which are sorely needed for the Buffs right now, considering they've lost, if you count Tumpkin to – being lost already they, they they've lost three of their four defensive coaches already so that's a pretty big hole they've got to fill there
2: certainly I mean you're starting from scratch essentially and it wasn't what you wanted to do you planned on losing Jim Levitt, kind of keeping everything in place you promote Joe Tumpkin you keep Charles Clark you maybe promote him to entire secondary now all of a sudden You're basically starting from scratch. Um, And I don't know if you're going to keep Jim Jeffcoat even when push comes to shove there. So you're really starting all over from something that you just built to being what I would call great. And we we talk about how they didn't make CU great again. They sure as hell made the defense great again. And now you're going all the way back to square one. But you have a lot to work with in terms of... Momentum, recruiting, success—whatever defensive coordinator that's coming in here, it's coming into like a hundred times better position than Jim Lovett did. And CU fans can thank Jim Lovett for that. And I think Jim Levitt should always be thanked, despite how he left, and he didn't leave on great uh, on great terms. Don't ever forget what Jim Lovett did for this program, because that defense—that was him—and. Now, whoever
0: comes in is going to have a lot to work with in the terms of tools in the shed. Forgetting the verbal recruits for a second, they already have a lot of talent on that defense. Uh, yeah, younger, but talented. Isaiah Oliver, Dante Wigley, one of the JUCO guys, Anthony Julamisi uh, are just a few of those guys' names to throw out there. Uh, Ryan Muller's coming back, Afalabe Laguda. They've got a lot of talent on that defense, certainly in a better spot than when Jim Lovett inherited this defense of when Parker Orms was the best player and just left. That's basically what Jim Levitt was dealing with when he took over the gig.
2: I don't know if Parker Orms was ever the best player,
0: but your point is made. (laughs) Greg Henderson and Parker Orms.
2: Greg Henderson was like a legitimate NFL prospect.
0: But Parker Orms was cool.
2: (laughs) I like Parker Orms a lot. Uh, I don't think he he might have been the best player if he didn't blow
0: out his knee on the first play of his career. True, true, true. But uh, maybe Parker needed to be a little safer with his knee. Maybe he just it, needed to park. Park
2: it up. Stop well, playing football.
0: I was thinking of putting it maybe in a safe box. Put his knee in a safe box. Because that's what you can do with Colorado Safe Outlet. They have the largest selection of safes in Colorado. Don't waste your time at big box retailers looking at safes. They don't suit your needs. No, they don't. Instead, come to Colorado Safe Outlet where an expert will set you up with exactly what you need. No more, no less. Once you pick the perfect sale, they'll deliver to your home fast and easy. Check them out online at cautasaveoutlet.com or visit them at one of their two locations in Centennial or Stapleton. Joining us now on the podcast is uh, Harrison Wynn, the editor of bsnnuggets.com, uh featured writer for BSN Denver. He I would venture to say he's the voice of Nuggets fans in terms of like
2: covering the Nuggets. Like you basically get you can have the Denver Post so you can have Harrison and I feel
0: like most people are choosing Harrison these days.
1: I try, I try, I really try, guys.
0: Well, you can follow him on Twitter at NBA Wind. Uh, he might have to change that now to at College Basketball Wind. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I wouldn't go that far. I would go. We'll see.
0: We'll, we'll see how good his takes are. You'll you'll let us know if you want Harrison back. But uh, we thought we would try something different because. Uh, Well, the basketball team's tried a lot of different things, and none of them have really worked out for them. Uh, The podcast, on the other hand, podcast has been great every single week. (laughs) Never been a bad podcast. I wouldn't even
2: say there's ever been a bad segment.
0: (laughs) Not once. Not even that one time Ryan left early and Will and I gave record predictions. The
2: one segment I've ever missed in the history of the BSN Buffs podcast was the one bad segment. (laughs)
0: It's so naturally, true. Naturally, naturally. It, it's actually true. <laughs> but either way, the basketball team sits at 10-6. and six. They're 0-3 in conference play with losses to Utah, which was brutal. Losses to Arizona State and Arizona. They looked better in both the Arizona State and Arizona losses. Derek White had a big game against Arizona State. XJ gets kicked out of that game. Buffs probably win that game if XJ doesn't get kicked out. Against Arizona, they came storming back. XJ had a huge game. Derek White disappeared. On the other hand, uh, you're kind of getting to the point of well, this team's pretty inconsistent, and if you look past XJ and Derek White as a whole, literally everybody on the team besides maybe Dom Collier has been hurt almost the entire season has been inconsistent.
2: Inconsistency is 100% the word. You've got a team full of talent, and, I've, and I joked this on Twitter the other day. You know, The team that we thought might scratch their way into a bowl game ended up going to the conference championship. The team that we thought might go to the Sweet 16 won't even sniff the tournament. I mean, we've reached that point now where the tournament – is out of question for them. They can win the Pac-12 tournament, that's about it. But they're not going to the tournament and it's an at-large bid. And it's just because they're not a team. And this happens in basketball where you can put together a bunch of talent, but if they don't play basketball, it's a waste. And I think that's what you've got here with this team. They just, they just didn't find a way to click. And I'm not sure what caused it, but it's not there.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Just... Just from the outside looking at it, I'm not obviously not as close to the program as you guys, but coming into the season, I thought this team was going to be better than last year's team. Even though they lost Josh Scott, I thought just from a pure talent standpoint, this team had more talent. Obviously, losing Josh was going to be a huge deal, but I felt like they could really open up and do some great things offensively, which they have at times. But like you said, the consistency just hasn't been there, and the... Kind of overlying factor that that I've really noticed is just doesn't seem like Tad Boyle has connected with these guys, and it doesn't seem like that's really something that's improving or, or getting closer to happening as we get into conference play right now. And and uh, until that happens, I just don't really see this team taking a step forward. And that's the interesting
2: thing is, you know, if you're talking about John Calipari and he's bringing in five new freshmen every year and he has to teach them. How to play his brand of basketball? You kind of understand when he just misses on one. Remember, there was the year that they ended up getting the eight seed, but then they or no, didn't they go to the NIT one they year? They went to the NIT right, and NIT. lost to
0: like Mammoth or something, and right.
2: But then they Monument, you mean? Monmouth. It was a Mammoth win for Mon. <laughs> for, I don't uh, know. There was that year, and there was the year he was the eight seed. Although he ended up still going to the title game that year, but you understand when you're getting a new team every year. This is a team.
0: With four fifth-year seniors, it doesn't make sense. And a fourth-year junior. But granted, I will say three of what, two of them are transfers. So that's that, – but that's not the point. The point is you've got a
2: wealth of talent, a wealth of experience. You should have a wealth of leadership, and everyone should be preaching the Tad Boyle brand of basketball because no one on this team is a stranger to the Tad Boyle brand of basketball. And somehow it's just not working. Is that on the fault of Tad Boyle then? I Last week I said no because I just don't know. At a certain point, there's only so much Tad Boyle can do because his, his coaching philosophy is very s- simple. It's just go rebound and go play defense and let's win basketball games. What more can he do but just keep saying, go rebound and go play defense let's go in back. he can only say that so many times now I'm starting to wonder okay well is it on Tad Boyle to realize I can't get through to him this way I have to try something else let's mix it up for this year but coaches don't do that coaches are stubborn in their ways and so yeah I guess it is a little bit on Tad Boyle he's going to be stubborn as a coach but in the end it's on these guys in my opinion for not being able to get in line and play
1: Tad Boyle basketball. Yeah, I think all coaches to an extent are kind of stubborn, and it seems like Tad Boyle throughout how many years he's been at Colorado, he has a formula, and he plugs and plays guys in that formula, and that produces 20 wins. It's just not working this year. And I think, like you said, Ryan, it comes a lot of it comes down to leadership, which is so important in college sports especially, more so than any other level. And it's something that I've seen covering the Nuggets this year. The Nuggets have a lot of veterans. They have guys like Daniil Gallinari, Wilson Chandler, and Jameer Nelson and Mike Miller who have been around for a while. But their two most vocal leaders are Mike Miller and Jameer Nelson. One of them, Mike Miller, doesn't play. The other, Jameer Nelson, plays 15 minutes a game. And like guys like Wilson Chandler and Gallinari who, who – start for some games and play crunch time, they're not like your vocal in your face, rah rah type leaders. And I feel like that's a lot of what CU's lacking right now. They're lacking just that leadership and it's really unbelievable considering the seniors and experience on the team.
0: It's shocking well, because what you said in our preseason basketball podcast, Ryan, one of the thing quote, one of the things I learned this year was that how important leadership and veterans are, especially in college sports, is what you said. And I don't think any of us expected, yeah, we know Wes Gordon and XJ aren't your idealistic leaders, but we didn't expect it to be like this.
2: Well, and I think that's where we were naive, is I looked at it and I said, look, to me, I I think I've realized there's nothing more important in in college than leadership and experience. What What I failed to realize is this team has plenty of experience, but where's the leadership? You know... Derek White wasn't just a guy I don't think who could just come in here and say, this is my team, everyone get out of the way, listen to everything I do. He's too nice. He's too nice, and he wasn't here long enough. You know, Last year he was kind of like taking a backseat. He didn't really say much in practice. He just gave dudes buckets every single day and just was kind of quiet about it. Then you've got a guy like Josh Scott who leaves. He built up four years. I mean, he really cut his teeth for four years before he stepped up as that leader. And everyone followed in line last year because they were like, He is Tad Boyle's protege. So you look at these guys. Wes Gordon. Can't lead. Just simply can't do it. It's not in his blood. He never will be able to in anything. you got Xavier Johnson, who is a leader in the sense that you can...
1: I don't know why Xavier Johnson isn't that guy. I mean, it seems like he should be that guy, right? I just don't know if he's a guy you follow. He's a leader in the sense
2: that... He's fiery. He brings a lot of passion to the game. But is he the guy that you're like, I want to be like him? I think more you're like, okay, like let's let's go like let's rah-rah, yeah, let's do it. But he's not necessarily the leader who's like, let's work extra hard in practice. Let's not go out on Friday night. Let's get in the gym. Let's get shots up.
0: He's the he's leader, but he's like not that. holding guys responsible. Yeah. Is basically what you're saying. And it's true because he doesn't hold himself responsible to some of his leadership stuff. And, and you see this from time to time, whether it be in-game or in practice. He'll bark out a command, and then he doesn't follow it. And right. it's 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 almost shocking. You're like, if you're not following your own leads, how is this freshman that just came out from Brazil like Lucas Seward supposed to follow them? Practice what you preach. And I think you just continue to
2: go down the line. And, and look at this. If XJ is a leader – I realized he did not deserve to get ejected from that game. A leader doesn't get himself in that position. He didn't need to go try and dunk on that guy. The whistle happened when he's at the three point line. He knew he was doing that to try and fire him up. And when he got into a little scuffle, a leader just turns his back and walks away. Now, that's a lot easier said than done. But you think Josh Scott's getting ejected from that game? Not no, a chance. Absolutely not. So then you continue to go down the line. Josh Fortin, he's not a leader. I mean, he just isn't. He's, he's a quiet guy. He's just he's not necessarily that high in basketball IQ. It's just not going to work. So I did Derek White. I did Wes Gordon. I did Xavier Johnson. I did Josh
0: Fortune. That's all of them. The only one you're missing who's in his fourth year is George King, who, admit and I like George a lot, but admittedly, He's a guy that has not stepped up to fill his role that was needed of him. And that's a hard thing to do that people don't realize in sports. I talk about this all the time with the Rockies. They have a guy in Tony Walters who's their backup catcher. A lot of people think that he's going to be the starting catcher this year. There is a huge difference from going from being a guy that's, hey, he provides something nice to we're relying upon this guy. And that's the thing with George King this year. He went from a guy last year that was whatever he adds, that's great give us 30 whatever that's fantastic we'll we'll survive without him either way this year you need to give us 10 and 7 george and that's a huge step
2: i always love the fact of our job we get to be around coaches all the time and coaches are really smart people and you just being around coaches you can turn you can take anything that a coach says and turn it into something in your life like Mac, mike mcintyre always preaches you're always getting better or you're getting worse you never stay the same like Any person can turn that into their life. Now, as we're sitting at the banquet, the All Colorado banquet the other night, Ernest Collins Jr., who's the head coach at Northern Colorado, was preaching something about the types of guys that are in a locker room, and Matt McChesney said the same thing. You've got 80 percent of the team who's looking to be—they're just—they're just guys. They're in the middle. They're gonna follow the leaders. You've got 10% of the guys who just they're just they suck. They you know, maybe they're great at basketball but they don't really care that much. They're coasting on their talent. They're not dedicating. Then you usually have 10% of guys who are the leaders. They're they're doing it all right. They're in the gym on Friday nights getting shots up, you know, at midnight or whatever it is. And it's a little bit different in a in a football team as they're relating it because there's so many more players that you are going to get that. When I look at this team, I almost feel like it's 100% of those guys in the middle. Like, are there really – there's not really any bad dudes on this team that are hurting the team really in the way that they act. And there's no one on, – there's not one person on this team who you can say is he's, he's the exemplary player. He's going out of his way. So you've got 100% of these guys who are just, meh, like, I want to be swayed one way or another. And maybe they go to the coach – or maybe they just all look at each other and they're like, well, is, is he going to step up? No, he's not. Okay, well, I guess I'm not either. Like, well, he's not doing anything bad. I'm not doing anything bad. It's like you got a full team full of guys who need to be swayed one way, and for whatever reason, Tad Boyle is having a really hard time swaying them one
1: way. They just seem complacent to me. They seem complacent with what's going on and you know what's happening throughout the flow of the game. I, that, that's just what I've seen from watching them. It, it's just They're just lacking that guy who's going to step up and say, Hey, we're going to stop this run. And we're going to really dig in defensively right here. They're, they're just lacking that guy, and it's been so evident
0: all year. Derek White is that guy, and he's given it at times, but. And I guess Derek White is the exemplary
2: player that you would look to.
0: But he's it's hard to walk on to a team and be that guy. How many people? LeBron James couldn't even do it in, uh, in Miami. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's not like this is something that so, just anybody can do. It takes an exceptionally gifted leader, not just an exceptionally gifted athlete, to just be like, this is my team. We're going to go to the promised land. You know, that doesn't happen. And
2: it takes time. Like I said, Josh Scott, it took him four years to become a leader. He could have been the leader in that ski year. He wasn't. He wasn't ready for it. His fourth year, he said, screw this. I'm taking everything off. Let's go. I'm pushing these guys to be great. It doesn't just happen. And with all due respect to Derek White, He's just, he hasn't been able to do it. And I think he should have taken over from day one when he saw this team didn't have that, and he should have walked in on the first day of practice and said, let's go. This is my team. Let's go to work. But I, it's hard to blame a guy for not being able to do that when the way he thinks it is, okay, i got to work myself into this. I don't want to be the alpha. Like, I don't want guys to think that just because I put 50 on uh, some scrubs in a D2 tournament game that all of a sudden I can do that Rep here. Brady and company.
0: Right. <laughs> So <laughs> You just called Brett Brady a scrub by the prop. Brett Brady case. is not a scrub. I, Brett Brady would help this basketball team right now. Doesn't
1: he have the record for, like, most threes in Colorado high school career? Yes, he, yes, does. he does.
0: He beat Min Sung of Boulder High School. <laughs> Suck it, Fairview guys.
1: <laughs> you watch uh, it. We're hurt. Uh,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, so
2: I actually do think Brett Brady could help this team right now.
0: But, uh, At me. <laughs> I'll bring up two points. One, Tad Boyle said today that the Achilles heel of this team is rebounding which is shocking to hear out of Tad Boyle's mouth, uh, although I think they're still, like, plus four on the margins. To, to Tad Boyle, that's half of what he wants because his number is plus eight. The second thing I'll bring up is, is it too late for this team? Ryan, I, I've already heard you use the past tense on the season, so I'm assuming you think it's too late for this team to correct these it's things. It's over. It's over. Based on the Arizona State loss, basically? Based
2: on both losses. They're done. They're 0-3. They have... You said this you wrote this in your in your story today. I was asking you. I wasn't asking me. I know. But you said they they want they if they were undefeated against top one hundred teams in the RPI right now, they still couldn't get as many RPI top one hundred wins as they got last year. That's they're done. It's over. They can't go to the tournament unless they win the Pac twelve tournament, which Okay, I'll give them a
1: five percent chance to do that.
0: Good luck getting past Zona.
1: Well then they have UCLA on Thursday, which I'm they're gonna going to go, go up to Boulder for that game just because I want to watch Lonzo Ball. But
0: oh, hit me up about that, by the way. I might have a spot I'm for going you. far away from Boulder.
2: <laughs> I don't want to see it all burned down in front of my own eyes. You don't want to see
0: Lonzo drop a 30 ball on the Buffs? Nope. I'll be Gonzo. <laughs> gonzo Ball. <laughs> but uh, anyways, Harrison, go <laughs> go ahead.
1: No, I, w- I want to ask you guys uh, something about the team. Do you think that... Tad Boyle has done a good job developing talent over, over the last couple of years. I look at guys like Wes Gordon. I look at guys like Xavier Johnson, Dominic Collier. These aren't guys who I feel like have improved as much as I thought they would or as much as they should over their time at CU. Is that, a, is that a too harsh of a take? No, not at all. And here's the way I look at it. Wes Gordon...
2: I just don't. I think he hit his ceiling pretty early. I think you know. I remember. I remember very clearly Spencer Dinwiddie saying he was the best NBA talent on the team when he was redshirting.
1: And well, it's funny. Let let me just say something because I remember five A state championship game uh, that year. Wes Gordon dominated Josh Scott in the championship game.
2: I think Josh ended up still. Josh's team still ended up winning. Yeah, Josh's team
1: won, but Wes Gordon outplayed him in that uh, 5A title game at Coors Event Center that year?
2: So, I, I don't think Wes was one of those guys who had a lot of developability. Is that a word? I think so. Yeah. I, I don't think he, he was going to reach new heights because I just don't see the drive in him. Like, Josh Scott's a guy who I'm like, that guy want, wanted to go to the league. He felt like he had something to prove, and he was like, I'm going to prove to everyone that I can play in the NBA. Now, didn't work out for him yet. You always have your Chris Copeland stories of the world. Right. But... West Gordon, I don't know. Xavier Johnson. I think Tad he's been the had, same player for three yeah. years. Xavier Johnson really Xavier Johnson
1: could have been a pro. He could have been.
2: Yeah, and I just don't think
0: I don't think that yeah, I don't think they developed him as well as they could. Dominic Collier. Dominic Collier, I will say before you say what you will. I think he started to develop, but I think Tad Boyle hits the nail on the head where he always says he should have redshirted him. I think Dominique Collier came into Colorado a little bit undersized, should have redshirted, and he would have had a very good college career. But right now at this point, it kind of looks like it was a miss. I think looking at the next year and a half of Dom Collier's career, it's going to look like it it was a hit, Uh, and Tad Boyle did a good job of developing him. I
1: hope so because I think that one thing this team really lacks right now is point guard play. And that, that's been a big theme for me this season. You know, Derek White he's you know the best ball handler on the team he's the best at initiating the offense but it'd be nice to play him off ball for an entire game.
2: yeah it'd be, it'd be amazing their, their hands are tied putting their best player on the ball because they don't really have another choice yeah and Thomas Akizili, he's regressed. he's gotten worse he's worse now than he was last year. I don't know how that happens. Uh, you go across the board. And you're right, no no player since maybe Spencer or Andre really came in here and got better. Now, is that because those guys had it in them and they were just always going to be NBA guys, or were they definitely developed? Because I remember very clearly talking to Tyler Dorsey when he was playing AAU and was like, I certainly have noticed what Tad Boyle has done developing guys like, Spencer Dinwiddie and that caught my eye so there was a time when it looks like the staff had a good record of developing maybe it was just
1: they had the NBA guys and they just made sure yeah. they they kept the path I mean a lot of it's on the players you know this isn't a tad Boyle thing by any means a, a lot of it's on the players you got to have the players talent always wins out but just something I've noticed and, and I think they've got something and
0: I, I think Will is on to something too because he wrote this in his last column for us saying that the last three recruiting classes for Colorado have been basically just misses overall uh, with the exception of this last one you can't really make a judgment on guys that have played 15 games this, yet.
2: This is the first time I've thought of this and, and I don't want to overstate it because it's not like he was in such a great position but we just talked about Tad Boyle not being able to necessarily reach this team you know who's really 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 great at reaching the players Rodney Billups
0: oh.
1: That's a good point.
0: Well, I, I've seen the name Tommy uh, yeah,
2: and brought up. Yeah, and he's a good recruiter. Um, he was just very abrasive when it came to working with that staff. And you always want people who will question you. Tad Boyle wanted to bring Nate Tomlinson in as a GA position because Nate Tomlinson would go up against him in practice and, and challenge him, and Tad likes having that. And Abadamarco would challenge him, but it became – like it was almost like a power struggle where and Marco was almost acting like he was the head coach at times and, and that just doesn't work. But I do think there could be something to Rodney not being there to kind of be the bridge. I think Rodney was a great bridge between Tad Boyle and the coaching staff and the players. He understood them. He he's a young guy who was wasn't that far removed from being one of those players. You removed that bridge and put another kind of without disrespecting Bill Greer an old head in that coaching staff so now you've got all that there's no real bridge to the players I don't know if that's you know I don't want to overstate it like I said but it's something you could look at as when you're trying to dissect why can't they get to these players
1: yeah it just seems like there's a disconnect and I just this memory just popped into my head but I remember uh, book Esquia Booker and Spencer Dinwiddie's freshman year they had like a midnight madness type deal dunk contest little scrimmage whatever you want and I remember uh, Spencer grabbed the mic and Askia grabbed the mic. And I think one of the questions Mark Johnson, who is was emceeing the event, posed to them was, what made you want to come to see you? And both of them just said two words, Tad Boyle. And it just seems like if you asked, I mean, I don't know this. If you ask the players why they came to see you, that might not be their answer in this day and age.
2: Maybe. I think there's something to be said there. Now, I had this conversation. It's a little bit scary with the recruiting class, and I, they have a great recruiting class coming in. So well, that's that what change. I was about
0: to say. They have one guard coming in that's going to be really exciting for the Buffs and Desha- Deshaun Schwartz from Colorado Springs.
2: And you've got Tyler Bay and Evan Batty coming in too, really high-level players there. But they better hope that that class kind of gets things back on track because just as fast as you rose, you can fall really quickly in college sports and we've seen it across anywhere you have to be able to keep this going and tad Boyle did an amazing job of coaching last season bringing them out of that skia booker ugliness to what we thought was maybe his best team he's had now he's going to have another down year he has to dig them out of that and do what he did last year or you start to worry if colorado basketball's golden age has come to an end
1: I think they'll be fine in the long run. I, I think I think they'll be back up eventually. Next year, they'll have a pretty young team, so it might take a, another year or two to get back. But I think the transfers also hurt them too. Because I, I, I think, I, I think I don't know, just from the outside looking in, I feel like Jerron Hopkins leaving and Treshawn oh, Fletcher trans- leaving. The transfers yeah. out. Right, right, the transfers out. I felt like that really hurt him too. Those are a couple guys I really liked.
0: And those are guys I mean, everyone knows kind of my track record with Jeron and how much I thought he would be a good player. But
1: I thought he had a star potential.
0: They've replaced Jeron Hopkins. I, I did too, Harrison. They've replaced Jeron Hopkins and Dustin Thomas with basically Josh Fortune and Thomas Aki Zili on this team. And yeah. that's I mean that's what, a downgrade.
2: I don't know. What are those guys doing?
0: Jo- jo- uh, uh, John Hopkins lighting it up for whatever school he's playing Fresno for. yeah Fresno
2: I mean the one that I think the one that I think about is uh, Chris Jenkins yeah. who is playing really well for Detroit I believe it is yep. uh, but yeah you never all attrition usually is not good uh, you never want to have too much of it and I think Harrison might be onto to something and saying they maybe they got a little too carried away with they, being very they never pushed anyone out they were just very, very frank with them. Hey, we don't necessarily see you in the top eight next year. So make your decision accordingly. And I'd
0: have a hard time believing Trayshawn Fletcher's not starting at this point now.
2: Trayson Fletcher really hurts. Yeah. Good player. He's he a was really a very good player. Good player. And that was a, that was an odd one. That wasn't one we ever saw coming. Um, there was other things in play there, but that one hurts for sure.
0: Well, I think that's about it on the BSN Buffs podcast for tonight. But I will say Life Flower Dispensary in Glendale just south of Denver, serves medical and recreational marijuana until midnight. They're a one-stop shop and have everything or something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use tropical treatments. Tropical. Tropical, tropical treatments. For severe pains, Life Flower carries a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates... Flower, and they carry glass too. Check out the menu at we for specific screens and price details, or just show up to Lightflower off lead sale. Uh, thanks again to Harrison Wynn for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at NBA Wynn, Ryan Konigsberg, Jake Shapiro. Uh, this has been the BSN Box Podcast. Stay tuned for the early week drops as we're in basketball season now. Uh, and as always, stay tuned to all of our content on oh BSN.